0: Section 11 of From the Latchkey of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. From the Latchkey of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Bupre Miller. Dickinson, Emily american eighteen thirty through eighteen eighty six all her life long emily dickinson lived in amherst massachusetts a life most people would have thought intolerably dull but to emily herself it was rich and full she knew intimately all the country round about to every bud bird and butterfly she was kin she wrote poetry too startling and original verse bound by no laws of rhyme or rhythm but full of vigor and deep convictions the mere sense of living is joy enough she once said to her god was an ever-present friend and death a freer living dodge mary mapes american eighteen thirty eight through nineteen o five mary mapes dodge was the daughter of an eminent writer and scientist whom she often helped in his work she lived in new york as a child and studied under tutors but never went to school only a few years after her marriage she was left a widow with two small boys and she took up writing as a means of support from reading motley's dutch republic she was inspired to write hans brinker every chapter of which was submitted for criticism to two dutchmen who lived near once, her own son went into a shop in Amsterdam and asked for a good book to read. The shopkeeper handed him Hans Brinker. In 1873, Mrs. Dodge became the first editor of St. Nicholas, and it was she who made it a leading magazine. Drake, Joseph Friedman, American, 1795-1820 through 1820. An American poet of the same family as Admiral Drake. Eton, Walter Pritchard, American, 1878 through blank. A dramatic critic and writer of delightful nature essays. He once lived in New York, but on a vacation he was entranced by the beautiful garden in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and went back to the city only long enough to pack up his possessions. Important Works, Boy Scouts in Glacier Park, On the Edge of the Wilderness eels elsie spicer american contemporary mrs eels is a specialist in hispanic folklore she spent three years in brazil where her husband was superintendent of the schools established by the presbyterian board of missions important works tales of enchantment from spain fairy tales from brazil Eliot, george marianne evans english eighteen nineteen through eighteen eighty on a bright frosty morning in old england's picturesque stagecoach days a little girl and her brother stood before the gate of griff house just at the bend of the high road waiting eagerly for his majesty's mail-coach to go dashing by and now they hear the far-off ringing beat of the horses hoofs on the ground ah there the great coach comes flashing into view with its four gallant greys at full speed coachman and guard aloft in scarlet outside passengers muffled in furs and baskets and bulky packages dangling merrily at the rear that coach was the chief connecting link between griff and the outside world and little Marianne evans and her brother isaac watched for it every day for griff was a country place in the Midlands section of england and remote enough from the world it seemed in those days of no railways no penny post and no telegraph a charming red-brick ivy-covered house it was on the Arbury estate which mary ann's father managed for its owner here day in and day out the little brother and sister played mary ann was always at her brother's heels doing whatever he did and nothing was missing at griff house to make them happy there was a delightful old-fashioned garden a pond and the canal to fish in there were farm offices close to the house a long cow shed and a broad-shouldered barn where butter and cheese were made by their energetic mother an affectionate and impulsive but proud little maggie tulliver was marianne and sensitive to the highest degree moved easily to either smiles or tears moreover she was always troubled by jealousy in her affections all her life long she wanted to be all in all to somebody and have somebody all in all to her how then could she fail but to be often most unhappy in her childhood the somebody whom she loved so jealously was isaac her brother she had an older sister christiana or chrissy who was always as neat and tidy as marianne was frowsy haired and wild but chrissy because of her neatness was a great favorite with her three worthy aunts mrs evans sisters who were doubtless very like maggie tulliver's aunts the highly superior dodsons and she used to spend a great deal of time with them so that the younger boy and girl were left much alone together but alas mary ann's jealous affection for isaac suffered tortures when they were separated he to go to boys school and she to go to girls how she looked forward then to the coming of the holidays, and how anxious she was when he came home to know all that he had been doing and learning since they parted. And when she was seven years old and Isaac was given a pony to which he grew so attached that he cared less and less to play with her, Mary was nearly broken-hearted. In those days, if one had looked into the Griff dining-room on a Saturday night after tea, he would have seen a pretty sight." There, in the deep leather-covered armchair at the right of the ruddy fireplace, sits Father, powerful and middle-aged, with strongly marked features. Between his knees crouches Mary Ann, and he is explaining to her a pretty book of pictures. Her features are strong like her father's, and her rebellious hair is all in her eyes, much to the sorrow of her mother, who sits busily knitting on the opposite side of the fire." near the mother all prim and tidy is the older sister with her work and between the two groups is the boy who keeps assuring himself by perpetual search that none of his favorite means of amusement is escaping from his pockets mr evans was already very proud of the astonishing and growing intellect of his little girl now when she came home for the holidays she and isaac would devise and act out charades before their aunts and the griff household and these were so cleverly done that even the aunts had to admit that their niece of the rebellious hare was a person of real ability from a very early age mary ann was accustomed to accompany her father on his drives through the neighbourhood standing between his knees as he drove leisurely along she drank in eager impressions of the country and its people in the warwickshire of those days they passed rapidly from one phase of english life to another now they drove through the countryside with green fields and hedgerows stretching away as far as the eye could see and all the people they met were farmers and country folk now they passed a fine old park which shut in some noble mansion house and allowed just a glimpse of its treasure to shine here and there through the trees gray steeples there were too pricking the sky and green and shady churchyards then in another moment they would come upon barren land all blackened with coal pits and look down suddenly over a village dingy and dirty with coal dust soon they would clatter along on the pavement of a manufacturing town powerful men they saw here grimy with coal dust and walking queerly with knees bent outward from long squatting in the mines these men were going home to throw themselves down in their blackened flannels and sleep through the daylight in the evening they would rise and spend a good share of their wages at the ale-houses with their fellows everywhere were poor cottages and small dirty children and over all the busy noise of the loom from the windows and doorways peered the pale, eager faces of the hand-loom weavers, both men and women, haggard with sitting up late at night to finish their toilsome labors. These people made a deep impression on Mary Ann. They had no right whatever to vote, and had long been ground down by the tyranny of their masters. Such towns were often the scene of trade union meetings and riots, and once, when Mary Ann was thirteen years old, she saw one of these riots in the town of Nuneaton it was in the year eighteen thirty two when the king had been forced after determined opposition to let the reform bill pass and for the very first time the poorer people had been given the right to vote for members of parliament so eager were they to elect their own candidate and keep out the representative of the wealthier classes that they formed in a mob threatening and attacking those who wished to vote for their opponents the magistrate had to call out the scott greys to quell the riot but on the arrival of the soldiers the tumult increased until it assumed alarming proportions the magistrates themselves were attacked and injured in the very discharge of their duties several officers of the Scots greys were wounded and two or three men who were attempting to reach the poles were dragged from their protecting files of soldiers cruelly beaten and stripped naked this unhappy outburst of hatred caused by so many years of oppression was never forgotten by mary ann an old-fashioned child she was living in a world of her own imaginations impressionable to her fingertips thinking deeply already and often at odds with the hard and fast accepted beliefs of her time she was full too of an eager love for all that was beautiful and longed in her inmost heart to achieve something great though she often blackly despaired of ever doing anything when marianne was sixteen years old her mother died and soon after this her brother and sister married so that she became henceforth housekeeper and sole companion of her dearly beloved father as long as he lived she spent the greater part of her time with him in their remote country home but when he died she found her way through the help of friends out into the greater world for years now she wrote and wrote translations and articles but it was not until she was a woman of middle age that she found the work which really made her famous it was suggested to her then that she write a novel and what should she write about but that old midland english life which she knew so well and with which she had sympathized so deeply all at once she found that she could write of men and women so truly and sympathetically that here lay her real-life work under the name of george Eliot, she published a number of novels george Eliot was the first english novelist to see in life simply human character developing and to find all the stirring comedy and tragedy of her books not in outward events but in the hearts and souls of men their inward victories and defeats and so the little girl of griff house became england's greatest woman novelist important works silas marner romola the mill on the floss emerson ralph waldo american 1803-1882 one of america's greatest essayists philosophers and poets who inspired men to a better faith in themselves and to less reliance for happiness or success upon outward things see also alcott louisa page sixteen ewing juliana horatio english 1841 through 1885 mrs ewing was an english writer of simple unaffected children's stories which have great charm and interest important works jack in naples La by the fire jan of the windmill end of section 11.